I'm Allison Roman, and this is what I wore when I interviewed at Bon Appetit. Welcome to What I Wore When, a production of Glamour and iHeartRadio. I'm your host, Perry Samerton. Each week, I'm sitting down with a woman I find fascinating to talk about what she wore during a pivotal moment in her life. We're using the power of style to tell the stories you haven't heard. A few years ago, I was that Carrie Bradshaw wannabe who regurgitated that line about only using my oven for storage. As I've gotten older, I've also gotten really into cooking. I love it. I think it's fun and relaxing. And so I'm always eager to talk to people who get to do it for a living, like Alison Roman. With Instagram followers that obsess over her recipes, Alison has become something of a champion for millennials who prefer to hang out than go out. Her unfussy approach has landed her a food column in the New York Times and a beloved cookbook called Dining In. When we spoke, her new cookbook, Nothing Fancy, was a few weeks away from being released, and she told me she has a deal to release two more. Allison's gotten a ton of press during the last two years, most of it pretty adoring. She's been called the chef who broke the internet, she's cooked a rib roast with Seth Meyers, and she snagged a coveted spot on a site that asks only cool people to break down their beauty routines. She's also had her fair share of online drama about a couple of her recipes. If you could see me now, you'd see I'm doing air quotes around the word drama. But when you're a successful product of the internet, haters are going to be extra hateful. I found Allison to be confident, funny, and willing to talk about pretty much anything, including why she'll never go out to dinner on a first date and the agony of really wanting a ridiculously expensive handbag and not quite being ready to bite the bullet. Here's our conversation. So I want to start by asking you what I ask everyone that comes in, which is what are you wearing right now? Oh, I feel highly underprepared for that. Um, I am wearing a dress. It's like a, is this tiger stripe? Like a tiger. Is some, yeah, some sort like of animal tiger. print um, dress from Reformation. And I'm, I don't really wear dresses that often, but I'm going to like a fancy dinner on the Upper East Side after this. So I felt like I, I wanted to dress up a little bit, but typically I'm very much a jeans and t-shirt person. So you caught me on a weird day. And the podcast is called What I Wore When. And today... You are going to be talking about what you wore when you interviewed at Bon Appetit. Yes. So what year was this? This If you can remember. What year is it? 2019? I think it was 2011. 2011. 2011. So what did you wear? Walk me through. So uh, just as like a bit of a backstory, this was the first job interview that I ever had that was not just go into a kitchen and cook, right? It was like... A real job in a real office, which was something that I was deeply unfamiliar with because I had only worked in restaurant kitchens. So I kind of was like, well, what does a person wear in an office or, you know, not in a kitchen? So I I wore this like hilarious silk top. It was periwinkle purple-ish color. It was definitely more like, I'm trying to like actually name the color because it wasn't just purple. It was like neon periwinkle purple, if that makes sense. It was made of silk. I got it at a vintage store in Bushwick, um, as one does, as a 26-year-old person living in Brooklyn. And a black pencil skirt that wasn't especially fitting um, or flattering, but that's what I wore. And then for shoes, I can't remember what I would wore 
I imagine they were some sort of high heel moment. Did you pick out the outfit beforehand? Did you wake up in the morning and you were like, this is what I'm wearing? It was probably one of the few times in my entire life where I picked out the outfit beforehand. Probably a night before situation or even I may have even purchased the shirt for this occasion. What did you want to project? That sounds to me like a very like... I'm, I'm going to work and like, yeah. I'm going to a corporate building. Exactly. Is that was, what you wanted it, to project? I wanted to project that I've like even had ever been in an office, which I hadn't really. <laughs> so I wanted someone to look at me and go, oh, she's definitely been to an office building before. Um, and I, I hadn't really. And um, But I felt even at the time a bit out of sorts, like I was playing dress up. Like it was like, when you're a kid and you go into your mom's closet or whoever and you put on an outfit and you're like, I'm going to work. I am a businesswoman. Like it was like I was playing dress up or something. It felt very unnatural to me. Were you nervous about the interview? Oh my God. Yeah. I did not know what to expect. And in hindsight, I think I could have really worn anything as long as I felt comfortable. I didn't really know that at the time the pressure I felt was definitely self-imposed. It was not, no, no one told me to dress in any way. I just took it upon myself and it felt extremely silly. It was also in the middle of summer. So I I also felt like I had a hard time figuring out how to dress nicely in the summer when I didn't really have any nice clothes. (laughs) If you were interviewing at Bon Appetit, like right now, what, what do you think you would wear? Um, honestly, I would just pick out the outfit that I felt most comfortable and confident in. And and that's probably some variation of like a high-waisted denim pant and like a white t-shirt or like a cute button-down situation or something like that. I feel like I've read and also heard you on other podcasts where you talk a lot about, and we'll get to this, but like your approach to food is uncomplicated and drama-free. And do you feel, you clearly feel that way about clothes, right? Like you... 100%. Well, also I am so bad to my clothes. I'm, I stain everything. I tear things. I rip them. I don't even know why I bother buying expensive shoes because I wear them out one time and it's like they're destroyed. And I find just visually speaking, like a fussiness for me, when I get dressed, feels unnatural. And I'm the queen of being like, oh, I don't know if I can pull this off. And people are like, you can pull off anything you want to pull off. And I think what it is is that I don't really want to pull it off. I want to pull off classic and, and you know, more uh, basic, if you will. I want to be like uncomplicated in that. And I'd rather accessorize with like red nail polish and red lipstick and like cute shoes than worry about my outfit. Are you someone that likes to shop? I feel good when I shop and buy something I love. There is, as we know, no greater feeling than purchasing something that you feel like looks really good on your body and you feel good in. And walking out of the store with something is the best. I hate the process of getting to that point. I'm not good at it. I I would pay somebody, which I'm sure this is a service somebody could offer me actually, um, to go shopping with me and be like, this is what you should try on. You should look good at this. You can definitely pay someone to do that. Are you kidding me? I I feel like finding someone who, I'm also so picky. I'm such, I'd be, I feel like I would, they would quit by the end of the day. They'd be like, you don't like anything. (laughs) Um, But the act of shopping and looking through stuff, I have a really hard time envisioning something on the hanger, what it's going to look like on my body. So I'll look at something and be like, oh, that'll never work for me. Instead of going through the process of trying it on and just trying it on and just seeing I'm not interested in that. I have no patience for that. I, I want to like go in, get what I want. I, I hate online shopping because I was I can't just going to ask, are no, you an I online girl? It. No, I, I would like to be. I'm just not. Why do you feel like everything that you buy goes back when you buy everything stuff online? I, 
by goes back or it sits because I'm too lazy to like take it back to the post office and mail it. Like I don't have an office to go to, which made it really easy to return things. Mm -hmm. And now I have to actually like go to the place to return it. I would say nine times out of 10, anything I buy online is not the right size. It doesn't fit. The fabric's weird. I don't know. It's like, as you know, no sizing is standard. So I am like a size four, I'm a size six, I'm a size eight, sometimes I'm a size 10. Yeah. Like that's insane to me. And unless you've shopped with a brand before and there's certain pants that I have, especially from certain um, brands that I know exactly my fit and my size and I feel comfortable ordering online from them. But even still, if it's like something new, unless I'm reordering something, we're like, oh, I know in Jesse Cam, those pants, I'm a 10 or an eight on a good day, but like mostly a 10. And even though that's the only pant that I'm a 10 in, I know that with hers, I'm a 10 for whatever reason. What outfit do you feel like you're most yourself in? High-waisted, vintage denim, Levi's probably. Um, I do have a pair of Wranglers that I love, but I'm definitely a Levi's girl. Um, and like a white t-shirt that I haven't ruined. What do you wear like in the kitchen? I actually have like a stash of shirts that I wear. Um for when I'm cooking like on camera or for photographs. And then I have shirts that I wear when I'm just at home where I'm like needing to power through stuff where I'm on photo shoots where I'm just cooking the food for the photo shoot, food styling. Um, Because those are things that I still want to feel good in, but I also can't be precious about because they will get food on them. Do you stress about what you wear and like when you're doing videos, I feel like that would stress me out tremendously for some reason. It really does because I always want to convey like the the message that I'm actually cooking. That's really important to me and everything that I do. Like there's a lot of people who claim to cook and people think they do, but they don't. But I do. And so I need people to know that. And so sometimes when I, I, like the dress I'm wearing right now, I would never film a video in this. I would never cook in this. Why? Because I just, it's not comfortable. It's just not, I don't feel comfortable cooking in this. I I would wipe my hands on it. I would dirty it. This is not a piece that I'm trying to get stuff on. Um, But also it's just not practical. Like I, for whatever reason, maybe it's just a mental block. I know that there's plenty of people that actually cook and they do cook in dresses or nice clothes. That's just not me. I I feel too much anxiety about destroying something that's expensive to do that. Um, When I'm cooking, I'm wearing like probably a tank top or a shirt and pants or shorts, depending on how hot it is in my kitchen. Um, There are times where if I'm having people over, um, I will change when people arrive and like finish cooking in whatever outfit I've put on. But even then, I'm still cognizant of the fact that I'm cooking and I'm working with food and I'm, there's olive oil and there's salt and there's stuff, there's, you know, chili paste, there's whatever. And I don't want to get it on my stuff. In your profession, do you feel like personal style matters? Um, yeah, I do. And and I wouldn't have said yes to that necessarily like five years ago, but I wouldn't say that I have like aggressive personal style. I think that there's stuff that I like and that I feel good in and I stick to, which, you know, I guess you could call that a personal style. But there's a lot of people that do what I do or say they do what I do or all want to do this job. And the more people that sort of enter this field, the harder it is to tell people apart. And I think unless you can be authentically a thousand percent yourself, don't do it. And so for me, personal style, it's it's just one way that I'm like, oh, I'm an individual. This is what I do. And I can't, I don't want to dress like somebody else. I don't want to put an outfit on just because I think it looks good if it doesn't feel authentic to me. Um, 
whether or not that means like a stained white t-shirt because a stained white t-shirt is me that is that is my brand (laughs) um but you know with with things like on video like you said does that stress you out it does because you also want to look cute and you're also aware of how you look and how you present yourself but you also want to be taken seriously as a cook and i don't know it's a lot there's a lot of anxiety that goes into that you find your love for cooking? Um, I had cooked just like for fun in high school um, as a way to kind of pass the time or like procrastinate not doing homework and was things that like something that. that you that you took upon yourself or did you feel like that was nurtured by like a parent you just decided like, yeah I'm I mean, start cooking. my parents both of them cooked we I grew up in uh, my parents were divorced, but in both their houses, we had dinner that they cooked almost every night of the week. So cooking was important to your For family sure. structure. Yeah, it definitely wasn't like a tradition thing. It wasn't based in like, oh, every Sunday we have this thing. It was just kind of like, that's what we did. We we would eat out and, and order in and do all that stuff and go to restaurants occasionally, but mostly like we're a cook at home kind of family. And then my best friend's mother... Uh, I ate dinner at their house once a week. And so she taught me how to make spaghetti sauce, which was the first thing that I ever learned how to make. And then from that, it kind of opened up my, you know, interest, you know, to think, oh, I want to learn how to make other things. And then just kind of like became really interested in it. And I never did it as because I thought I would do it for a living. Um, It was just kind of what I found myself becoming something that I, I... it like hit a nerve with me. It it interested me intellectually, but also emotionally and also physically and in every kind of way. It was it was really great. Um, and then I went to college and then decided that I was going to leave college to go work, try and work in a restaurant because I thought, okay, well, I can always go back to college, but I feel like I really want to take advantage of this passion burning inside of me right this minute. And so that's what I did. And what was that experience like, your first restaurant job? It was intense. It was a lot. I had no experience and I can't... What were you doing? I was doing pastry. So I knocked on the back of the door of this restaurant that I really love. And I was like, I'm going to go to culinary school. Do you have any advice? I'd love to maybe work here, you know, on my off hours. And the pastry chef was like, well, the chef's not in right now, but I'll tell you not to go to culinary school. He's like, if you want a job, I'll give you one. What? And I, I was mean, like, what? Okay. okay. <laughs> and so I, I said, yes, okay, and decided not to go to culinary school and to work for him because he's like, you know, it's 40 grand and you may hate it. So why don't you come work for me? And if you like it, you can go to culinary school. And if not, then I just saved you 40 grand. Um, and I was like, great, sounds good. And I was 19. I was really young and didn't, you know, I was like, cool. I had no idea what money was anyway. Um, and so... I never had it to begin with. So the fact that I was getting paid $7 an hour didn't bother me because what I didn't know any better. I was like, yeah, whatever. Um, I didn't realize at the time that I was entering into an industry where it was really tough to make money ever. But um, it didn't really matter because I loved it. I felt like as long as I was able to pay rent and you know, eat dinner, then I was fine. That's really, and make my car payments and like, you know, fill it with gas. But it was really tough. I cried a lot all the time because I was really bad at my job and I wanted to be really good at it, but I didn't know anything. And when you work in a restaurant or in a pastry department or a bakery or whatever, when you mess up, 
that translates to a lot of money for the business owner or a customer's bad experience or a coworker's bad experience or something like it. It's a huge domino effect. Like your mistakes are the opposite of unnoticed. They are extremely, extremely impactful to many people and it's tough and I messed up a lot, but I didn't really let that deter me. I, I knew that even though I was bad at it at that time, I knew that I would be good at it one day or, or at least I knew that I wanted to be good at it one day. When you started actually feeling yourself become successful and making, you know, making your own money, whether that was a lot or a little, just having money that was your own, was there anything that you were like, fuck it, I'm going to buy this? Like, was there a, a purchase? <laughs> that was like two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> totally, it's though. Been a like, <laughs> totally, um, that could be yesterday. But was there anything that you were like, all right, I'm doing whatever your definition of success is, like mm-hmm. you're getting there. Was there any kind of purchase that you were like, I made it? Or I I'm bought a car. It? A car is a good yeah, one. Yeah, this year I bought a car. It, it's a used car. <laughs> don't, get, don't get crazy. It's a used car. Um, 2015. But um, I was like, I live in New York. I've been here 10 years. And having a car would really, would really enhance my experience here. I really wanted a car. Do I need a car? No. I want a car because I want the freedom to leave New York whenever I want. I want to come back to New York whenever I want. I want to travel more. I want to see other parts of New York. I want to go to Queens. I want to go to Brighton Beach. I want to go to the beach, beach, whenever I want. I want to go to Flushing. I want to do things that when you don't have a car can be really annoying and deter you from doing. And I was like, you know what? I want to see all of it and I want to be flexible and have freedom. So I bought a car. That's so interesting because I feel like most New Yorkers like don't want a car. Changed my whole thing. I also live in a neighborhood where it's not hard for me to park. And because I work for myself or from home or from wherever, I can move it on the mornings that I need to move it, which is just one morning a week for anyone who cares. It's It's logistically speaking. Um, Yeah, I was like, I I want this. This is kind of superfluous and I'm going to get it. To completely change my New York life, by the way. Is there anything on your bucket list that you want to buy? Like ideally, like now, now that you're like, okay. But again, it goes back to the fact that I don't trust myself with nice things. So I really, I've always, and I don't know if this is cool or it's probably not cool. I don't know. But I've always wanted like one of those vintage, like from the 80s quilted Chanel bags with the gold chain. I mean, yes, that is very cool. I want that (laughs) so bad. They are so expensive. I mean, they're ridiculous. For a person who's never, like I never cared about fashion or like labels or brands or this. That's not, I care about brands. That's not true. Um, (laughs) But like growing up, I never coveted anything involving fashion or whatsoever. But there's something so iconic about that where I'm like, I want that. I want that so bad. And every now and then after, so I just signed another two book deal after the, these first two. Amazing. Yeah. Congrats. That's Thank awesome. You. And I was like, now's Damn. the time. Now's, now's the, time. the time. I was like, I could buy that for myself if I wanted. But I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to leave it in a car. I'm going to do something bad to it. And I would never, ever forgive myself if I did. And so I'm like, you know what? I just can't have nice things. What color would you get? Oh, black. I feel like you should just get it. I don't know. I feel like I, know. I feel like that's the one thing. Like so many women say oh, they want. So Even cool. women that don't covet. But like, I also when don't do you covet wear it. Do you wear, you don't wear it every day? Oh my god, yes. You, you wear do. it every day. That's oh, yeah. like your I bag. don't have one, but if I did, I would wear it every day. I would wear it with jeans. I'd wear oh. it with sweats. Oh my god. <laughs> I also think it's so just my approach to style. Like I think it's so baller. I'm not really into labels at all. And if I am, they're not labels that necessarily you see, right? Like Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be covered in logos. Right, exactly. But I do think there's something really baller about wearing like 
whatever, your Zara clothes or your like sweatshirt and jeans or your old Levi's and having one piece of like ostentatious designer. I just think that's a very cool look. I do too. I would say that that also sums up my general approach. Like I am a huge high-low person, both in cooking, recipes, whatever, but especially fashion. I feel like that is me to the core. And sometimes intentionally and sometimes definitely not intentionally. But I really like to have the like one nice thing and then mix it with like my Hanes t-shirts. Exactly. I think that, but I also think that's the definition of like real style. Yeah. Like anybody can go out and throw down a credit card and be covered in labels head to toe, right? Right. Like that doesn't mean that you have style. It just means you have like money, a credit card. Right. Or not. Or like you're like, (laughs) or you're living above your means. You're living above your means, which (laughs) I mean, so many people do. Yeah. I feel that I used to feel the pressure to like dress in different things a lot or you know, in in trying to find what it is that I enjoyed about clothing. And I realized like I have a basic uniform now and it's like my denim and a shirt and I feel okay with that. Do you consider yourself a minimalist? I don't mean with colors and cuts, but I mean with the amount that you accumulate. Do you have a fairly organized closet? Do you like to have a couple of things or do you have like shit popping out at the seams you can't open a drawer? Well, the funny thing about my apartment, uh, it's great. I love it. It doesn't have any closets, not one. So all of my stuff is outside my apartment. Um, I have, it's like a small townhouse. And so the floor below me, it's the same situation. So both of our closets are outside of our doors. Okay. So it's like we get the whole, the full landing outside of our doors, if that makes sense. And so I have like a clothing rack and a metro shelf for shoes and a clothing rack for clothes. But I like store my coats on the ladder that goes up to the roof on the fire escape. And then I have my clothing rack, which I have to switch out winter for mm-hmm. spring because I otherwise don't have the space. Um, but it is a mess. It is a hot, hot mess. It, there is just stuff everywhere. I try so hard. And occasionally when I go through the effort to like organize by shape, style, color, whatever, it stays pretty nice for a little bit. But there's uh, right now, especially, it's like really bad news. I because I need a purge. There's like a lot of stuff that I haven't been wearing. And like what I don't know, what are your rules about when it's time to get rid of something? Is it like if you haven't worn it in a year? No, no way. I actually don't subscribe to that rule. You don't? I hate okay. that rule. I feel like so many people have said that to me over yeah, the years. And I'm like, and I'm that like, rule eh. is bullshit because well, think about it. Like if you have something really beautiful that you love and you wear on occasion. I'm not going to get rid of it because I don't wear it every day. Like I'm going to hold on to it or a pair of jeans that I wear. Like I don't believe in that rule. My rule is when I truly don't, I I use the phrase reach for, but like when I truly don't reach for something like regularly, that's when I know it's time. I don't mean like a gown or something like that, but like I have so many jeans and I always wear black jeans, right? And I reach for the same two pairs all the time. And it's so freeing to just be like out. I'm sorry, I'm going to Buffalo Exchange or I'm going to Crossroads and I'm taking these yeah. and I'm or I'm donating them to Housing Works, whatever. Yeah. I just find that it's so freeing to purge, but I can't like I hold on to things, but oh, I feel I'm like purging. I'm a true hoarder. Ugh, and it's so been bad. a struggle. Like people in life have always been to me like you need to just have less stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, but I don't want less stuff. Like, oh, I, I wanna... desire less stuff. I, I want someone to in come theory, over. And whip me into shape. I need someone to be mean to me and be like, are you ever going to wear this? Did you, have you worn this in the past year? Have you worn it since you bought it? Get rid of it. Yeah. Sell it. I'll do it for you. Don't I'm good at that. It. That's what I do. I mean, when my... I'll be like, but maybe what if? It's like, no, you're never going to wear this. Get rid of it. If I lose five pounds, I'll wear it. That's the worst. Ugh, the worst. That's the worst. And I say that all the time. I have dresses that do not zip. 
Yeah. And I'm like, they will zip soon. Yeah. I won't eat carbs for the week and they'll zip. Like that is the worst way to live, but I do it. And yeah. I think it, and I feel like as soon as you, as soon as I abandon that and I just get rid of it, I'm like, okay, fun. I can buy a version that actually fits and yeah. that makes me happier. But exactly. I feel like that's a damage. Also looking at a garment that you have like a goal weight in mind for only makes you feel bad every time you look at that garment. Every time. So and then you the put garment. it on and you're like still feeling bad because yeah, you're, like, you're like hungry. Just get rid of it. Um, you said that your approach, when we were talking about high-low, you said that you also sort of have that approach with cooking. I'm curious, like, how do you, what is the, how does that translate to to cooking? Um, I think mostly in ingredients where people ask me where I go grocery shopping or where I get stuff. And for the most part, I pretty much exclusively, especially when I'm developing recipes, shop at places that people shop at. So I get my groceries from Fresh Direct or Whole Foods or Key Foods or, you know, any number of grocery stores. I go to Brooklyn Fair, which is in my neighborhood. I just shop where most people shop. I don't exclusively shop at high-end butchers or farmer's markets or fish markets because when you do that, you are shopping with a caliber of ingredient that very few people are able to access. And that means that the recipe that you're making is going to inherently probably be better than what somebody's making at home. So I almost prefer to test with crappier ingredients because that means if I can, if I think it tastes good and I have success with it, that means should you be shopping with anything better than this, you're going to be really blown away. <laughs> like I want to make sure that even if you're testing with something that's not peak produce or the most expensive tahini that you can buy, that you're still going to have success with it. Um, and if you're not, it's also informs me to say, hey, you might want to spend a little extra money on your tahini. The cheaper stuff tends to taste really bitter. Like it educates me so I can tell you what to shop for and why. But that's so nice because you're actually using tactical advice. Like you're acknowledging that something might taste better if you spend more money as opposed to, I feel like so many old school like chefs, but even like home cooks. Like I just feel like it's not accessible and there's not transparency and it's just like... So it's like, oh, you have to use peak seasoned tomatoes for this. It's like... That's a good tip, but also make sure that it tastes good without peak seasoned tomatoes. Like you have to like be like, this tastes good with any tomato. If you're using peak seasoned ripe tomatoes, you're are going to die. It's so good. But like even with regular tomatoes, you should have success with it. I don't believe in blaming the ingredient for a recipe not turning out well, unless it's like a really extreme situation, which I have seen. Um, in the same way, I don't or- believe in ordering wrong at a restaurant. I hate when people say, oh, I must have ordered I ordered wrong. wrong. Yeah, what you does that mean? Wrong. Can you explain if what you that means? Wrong, it means there's something on the menu that wasn't that good. Shouldn't be on the menu. Right. What is ordering? That means, oh, does that just wrong. mean like you, you don't, don't like your wrong. dish? Yeah. It means that like you didn't have a good experience at a restaurant, even though everybody raves about it. Guess what? You don't like the restaurant. That's okay. Right. You don't have to like the restaurant. Right. You don't likes. have to like the restaurant. That's a separate conversation. But yeah, that like drives me insane. Um, but yeah, with the high-low thing, I, in my personal life, when I'm just shopping, like I do love to stock my pantry with like basic stuff and canned beans and Goya products and, you know, truly nothing fancy. Yeah. And then I will buy like a nice piece of fish and a beautiful mixed greens from the farmer's market. And that way my cumulative total of spending is still pretty average. You know what I mean? Like I do. Yes. I feel that way where I do that when I take vacations a lot where I'm like, okay, well I spent a lot of money on the flight, but I'm not spending any money on the lodging so I can afford it. Right. Like I like to average on. So same thing with grocery shopping where like I will buy a really beautiful piece of steak because I don't eat red meat that often but I'm going to eat it with baked potatoes, Mm -hmm. which is like really cheap and affordable. But I also feel like that too is an alienating for people that like to cook because logically, like if you were like, use the best beans you can find, I'd be like, fuck off. I'm using Goya. But for me, like, I love Goya. I trust you. I love Goya too. (laughs) Love. But like meat inherently, you're going to, 
at least want to buy a better piece of meat than yeah. you would have been. Like if you really, if you told me to buy better, like accoutrements, I'd be like, well, no, but yes, I'm going to listen to you and maybe yeah. spring for like the better piece of fish. Exactly. I feel like it is literally the the parallels between that and shopping for clothing are the same for me. Where like, there's just stuff that I'm never going to spend that much money on because I'm, because they're, I'm going to ruin them or they're utilitarian or whatever. And then there's stuff where you're like, I am going to spend a lot of money on, you know, a bag because I wear it every day. Mm-hmm. And it's the thing that I carry with me always or shoes because they can like really take, you know, your $25 situation outfit and then make it look really kind of nice and expensive. And I feel like your Chanel know. bag is like the good oh piece my God, of steak. Another, the another good piece vote of for the steak. Chanel bag. Oh my God, it is my steak. It a is a beautiful bone and ribeye. Like nice, exactly. <gasps> I need it. <laughs> um, speaking of, we were talking about like peak tomatoes. I made your... Um, tomato toast with shrimp. Oh yeah. Shrimp toast. So it was the end of August and I was looking just on the New York Times, just like trolling the food section for stuff to make. And I saw there was a story that said, we need to, we need to talk about dinner toast, I think was that. Dinner toast. Dinner toast. Yeah. I was like, what is dinner toast? Dinner toast is like the, is like peak, like late August meal where you're just like, I'm kind of depressed. Summer's over. It's really hot still. There's so much produce. What do I do? It's like, just Cook a bunch of stuff and put it on toast. <laughs> but I was like, okay, I'm going to try this because I love shrimp, but I'm also not somebody that I still, and this is so fucked up, I still have like a weird thing. Maybe it stems from like when I was brought up in the late 90s and the Atkins diet was really big. I have a thing where like I hear bread and toast and I love bread. I eat it, but I hear that and I'm like, I can't eat bread for dinner. Like I can eat us maybe, I just can't, but I did it. Would you eat it for lunch? Would you eat bread for lunch? I would. I would eat a sandwich, but I feel like for dinner, I'm just like not, but I was excited. So I tried it and I think all I had in my refrigerator were heirloom tomatoes, but like um, small ones, Mm -hmm. like small cherries. And that's Mm -hmm. not what the recipe called for. I used them and it was great. Good. <laughs> it was great. That's so, I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah. That's... I have a picture of it. It does not look as nice. It didn't turn out visually as nice as I'm sure yours well, would you know, or the one of the times. photographers. But it was fun. I mean, I got a good bread and I toasted it in the pan, which I'd never actually done. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've always had like a toaster and I was like, no, I'm going to toast this bread on the stovetop in the pan. Yeah. Like, I feel like when you think of toast, you think of like avocado toast. Yeah. But like, you don't think of like buttery shrimp on a piece of toast. Yeah, so good. Yeah, I feel like, you know, I think that's why food in bowls really depresses me. Like, because it's not fun. It's like all your food's in one place and it's like soft probably. And even when it's not soft, it's like all in a bowl. I don't know. It's like, bummer. Totally. Have fun with it. Like, do something different. Do something interesting. Play with textures. Like, eat with your hands. Like, use a lot of olive oil. Like, be sensual about it. Food is a sensual experience. You should, it should be, like, as fun as all the other stuff that, you know, we like to do for fun, like drinking wine and, mm-hmm. like, having sex. I don't know. It should It, it should all, it all trigger that same sort of feeling inside of you where it's, it is primal. It is, it should just create joy. And we have a really complicated relationship with food, especially, I feel like, in America. And I wish that more people could just derive pleasure from it. And I understand that there's some psychology behind it. And, you know, I want to be sensitive to people that do have issues around food and of course. what makes it challenging for them to achieve that. But, you know, I, in my opinion, I feel like there's so much bad stuff that is going on in the world. And like just eat the damn food. Just eat the shrimp with the butter, you know, to yeah. get the, head eat the on damn kind. Toast. Yep. Rip the heads off, suck the juices, eat the toast, like fry it in olive oil. Don't freak out. I'm not asking you to eat like that every day. I'm asking you to like think about eating for pleasure 
you know, instead of just eating to stay alive. I was watching recently, this is so random, but I was watching a rerun of like one of the most classic episodes of Beverly Hills 90210, which mm. is my favorite show. Like just, classic. I grew up with that show. Yeah. But I was watching an episode from, I guess it was season one or two. So this was probably puts us at like 91. Mm-hmm. But there was an episode where a bunch of the girls had a sleepover and I guess one of the guests had like issues with food or whatever, but they had a very organic conversation. And one of the things that was said, I die, was her name was Amanda. And one of the characters was like, do you eat on dates, Amanda? Do you eat on dates? Oh my God. And that was like a real plot point. And she was like, never, I never eat on dates. And they're like, why? Like that is- What was the answer? Her aunt, well, her answer was no, but I always order something. I always order something expensive. And then Shannon Doherty's character was like, why? And she was like, to let them know I'm worth it. Wow, Amanda, cool it, girl. I mean, Amanda was intense. Cool jets. But like, just the fact that like in 1990, which I know it was forever ago, but it also wasn't forever ago. Mm -hmm. That was a thing, like asking women, do you eat on dates? Like they were curious. Like, can you imagine? No. And I know there's such a thing about women. I still feel like women sometimes feel that way about like, I have to be very careful about what I order in front of like a potential romantic partner. Oh God, but that's no. such bullshit. The worst thing, well, two things. One, I hate when people do like, especially around like Valentine's Day, which is A, a fake ass holiday. Yes. B, who cares? But they'll always be like, what not to order on Valentine's Day or like things that you should order on Valentine's Day oh or like, like dates for down oh Valentine's God. Day. I'm like, that is dumb as hell, first of all. And... Second of all, I never eat dinner on the first date. And it's not that I won't order food or eat in front of my date. It's that I don't want to spend that time with somebody unless I know that I like you. Or or even if I have a potential to like you. Second date, maybe. Third date, I will eat dinner with you. But I, it's like a personal rule. I don't eat dinner on the first date. But it's mostly just because to sit through a meal with somebody is a real commitment. It is a real commitment. It has nothing to do with food or like eating or like, well, do I smell bad? Like, I do not care. What would you do on a first date instead of eating? Oh, like go to a bar. I like to go to a restaurant. Here, the Actually, you know what the move is? To go to a restaurant that has a bar. Yep, sit at the bar. Sit at the bar. Drink. Have a drink. If you're like, oh, I'm feeling peckish or I you need get a snack, snack, you get snacks. Yep. And then I've I've also done that where like that actually transforms, like, you know, you parlay that into pizza afterwards mm-hmm. or something. Like I'm not ruling out food on the first date. I'm ruling out sitting down dinner to like a, a formal dinner. Yeah, n- absolutely not. My relationship with food is so intense that I can't separate it from my romantic interest in you. Like if you pick the wrong restaurant or if you don't like certain foods or if you're picky like or it's hard if for you're you to too, extricate. Yeah, or if like you're too passive or I've got a long list of cans and won'ts. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, it's over between us. Like we can't, we can no longer, I, I'm shut down down here because my relationship with food is so close that if I feel like you're not on the same page and no can do. What's like the biggest deal breaker food-wise if a potential romantic partner was like, I hate this. Like, what is something that you're like, now I eat or drink this all the time? Honestly, like, you can't eat this. I respect anyone who doesn't like anything. That If they're like, I hate anchovies, I'm like, cool, I can work with that. Like, I'll definitely, you know, sneak them into your food at some point if we make this a thing. But, like, that's not a deal breaker. What is the deal breaker is, like, something that they really love. And I went on a... <laughs> I feel so bad. I actually did tell this person that one day I would bring this to light, um, probably in a public setting. And I'm actually... I'm writing an essay about it right now. But... um I went on a date with somebody who, at the end of our first date, I was kind of like, you know, there weren't like sparks flying, but I would go out with you again, you know, kind of and internally, my combo. And then they sent me a picture of a bottle of Soylent. 
And I was like, what? I was like, is that, is that a joke? And they were, they were like, no, like I drink Soylent. Wow. Like where else are you going to get a, compl- a bottle full of complete nutrition? Oh my God. You're like, Come And on. I was like, ha ha. Like, like I still couldn't tell because it was so out there for me. And I was just like, oh, absolutely not. This says so much about you. I cannot move forward with this. That is bizarre. Shut down. What foods do you not like? Are there things, are there, is there anything that you don't like? Um, I don't like bell peppers. And one, t- <laughs> one time a, a guy, this is like years ago, he made me a dinner of, um, <laughs> it was like, I don't like, I don't like bell peppers and I don't like sweet potatoes. And I think the dumbest part of the chicken is the drumstick. <laughs> and this guy made dumb. me, this guy made me like roasted drumsticks on a sheet pan with sweet, with, with, peppers and with sweet red bell peppers and sweet potatoes. And I was like, oh Lord. I was like, can't come back from this. And like, I no. sound like such a brat. There were other things that weren't working, obviously. I think with either of these people, had they been amazing in every other way, we could laugh about it sure. and it could be the thing. Yes. I'm using them as as nuggets of examples as to why it didn't work, mm-hmm. but like, gross. Gross. And also like the three things you don't really care yeah, for. Yeah, I, like, I was like, what are the odds that you put them all together? What are the odds? That, that for me is like a sign from the universe. Like, I know. Okay. Yeah, 100%. Like if it was just sweet potatoes, sure. We're actually still if it was friends. just some peppers. Oh, that's yeah. Nice. I think I've told him that story before. I think he thinks it's funny. I think. I don't I know. I bet you now before he goes out with anyone, he's like, um, what don't you like? <laughs> Give me a long list of well, foods also, that you like. like. What a nightmare to go on a date with me, right? And be like, oh, there's food involved. I want to die. Like, I, that, I would be terrified of do me. Do you feel like that? Like, like yeah, do you I would feel be like terrified it's... of me? For sure. Yeah. Because that's interesting. I feel like I am very outspoken. I have a lot of opinions. I feel like I, but I think the way to counter that is just to like show up with confidence. And be like, oh, I'm taking you to my favorite dive bar. I'm taking you to like this place or we're going here. I love that. I love decisiveness. I want to talk about your new book that's coming out this fall. Um, It is called Nothing Nothing Fancy. Nothing Fancy. And it's about having people over. It's, I I really wanted to write a book that was not, and I say it in the opening line of the introduction, like this is not a book about entertaining. This is a book about how to make you feel good about inviting people into your home and feeding them, basically. You know, like it's not entertaining in the sense that like, I'm not going to teach you about mood lighting or how to make a playlist because that's just life shit. And, yeah. you know, like, I can give you my out. opinions and they don't, they don't make, it doesn't mean that they're the correct opinions, right. but I can tell you what I do, but. Each person is different. It's more about here are a collection of recipes that I know are really good for groups of four to eight people. And they can also make really great leftovers or you can have them to serve less. Like what I'm trying to get at is like these are recipes that don't have to be served hot. They're good making ahead. They're easily reheated. They're not going to stress you out when you have people coming into your house. Do you Um, have a favorite? I don't. They're all good. But also like the way the book is is set up. It's so it's like snacks, salad, sides, mains, and desserts. And people always say like, well, if I'm having people over, what do I make? And I'm like, well, for me, I like to start with snacks. And that can mean many different things. It can mean like cheeses. It can mean um, roasted and pickled vegetables. It can mean raw vegetables and dips. It can mean tin fish with bread and butter. Um, it can be as like much or as little as you want. And then I think to make a really solid 
dinner, whether I'm cooking for one person or 10 people, I always want to make sure I have a salad, something like crisp and acidic and tangy and crunchy. And then like a side, which is hearty, you know, and more comforting and maybe roasted. That can be like beans or like cheesy vegetables or rice or something of that nature. And then a main. And that's the thing that you serve. And that can be pasta, fish, meat, chicken, whatever. Um, And that's just kind of like the construct of a meal. And none of them should stress you out. You shouldn't have to sacrifice, oh, I don't have time to make the beans because I've already done the chicken. It's like, no, they can all be done sort of at the same time. All the dishes in the book are kind of designed to go with each other. Um, So you can make really fun menus from any of the sections. And it's like a really fun book to cook through. And I think that, you know, at this stage when I'm in the promotional stage where I'm coming up with menus for things to cook at restaurants and events and things like that, I'm getting excited again because I'm like, oh, this food's really good. And I'm excited to eat it again. What's your favorite outfit to entertain in? Hmm. Let's see. I don't know. I have a pair of like, I don't know. I love my like white Rachel Comey jeans and like a tank top or like a cute, like casual, but like nice fabric shirt, either like tight fitted or like kind of crappy, like casual, but like I want to be able to like move around a lot. Probably not a dress um, unless it's a summer and I'm hot and I need, I need some airflow. Um, depends on the occasion. I never really feel the pressure to get dressed up. I probably will be more casual if you come to my house than if I go to yours. Right. Hence your dress today. Exactly. To I would never wear this to my own dinner. I'm wearing it to someone else's dinner. I want to ask you a couple of questions for a speed round to so just answer the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. What is the last thing that you bought? Not fashion-wise or fashion-wise, but literally the last thing that you spent money on. Um, I went to the bodega and I bought stuff because I'm recipe testing desserts. I bought heavy cream, chocolate, a cucumber, and a kombucha. The cucumber and the kombucha were just for me. What was your first concert? Lilith Fair. Whoa. Yeah. That's a good one. (laughs) What would be your last meal on earth? Cliche question for someone like you. You're like, I realize. Uh, I'm talking to like this. an actress. It's fine. Yours, you're probably like, I've been asked this so many fucking times. Um, but now I'm actually extra curious. Honestly, either, either a really good slice of pizza that's crispy, like really crispy, not burned, but like one New York style slice, not Neapolitan, like a crispy slice with lots of chili flake or um, a really, really well roasted roast chicken. How do you fall asleep at night? I don't. (laughs) Um, I try to. I use these like, um, I don't know what, I think they're just CBD, but um, Gossamer has these drops. It's called Dusk and it's like a tincture that I love. It doesn't make me feel groggy in the morning. I don't feel like stoned. I just feel like more relaxed. Um, I also, if I can't fall asleep, I listen to podcasts or I search um, Zillow for homes that... I'm probably Ooh. not ever going to buy. That's interesting and also stressful. I feel well, like that would I, upset me before that's what bed. I started doing instead of social media. I need something to oh, scroll and now I scroll real estate. That's really interesting. Do mm-hmm. you feel like social media gives you before bed anxiety? Oh, yeah. Yes. Before bed, after bed, during bed, whatever. It just all the anxiety. Yeah, I, it's also an addiction and I'm trying to set, create boundaries. And so finding a new addiction like real estate is it's kind of my thing now. Do you feel like this is... Not in the speed round, but I'm actually really curious. Yeah. Do you feel like social media for you is like a double-edged sword? Because I feel like so much of your success, people find you on Instagram. Not totally. everyone, of course. For sure. But I do think of it as like a tool for my job. And I will say 
even though I have bad experiences with it, you know, emotionally or personally or whatever, of whatever it brings me internally, I will say 98% of my experience with Instagram and other people has been really positive. And people are really kind and they like what I do and they have questions and I want to answer them and I want to help them. And they're like, some people just say like, hey, I just want to say thanks for creating cool recipes. My mom and I cooked one together. It was great. Like people just, you know, a lot of the things... The information and comments I receive are overwhelmingly positive and helpful to me and um, kind. And it's wonderful, actually. It it can be like a really beautiful place. I've also set up a lot of my friends through my Instagram. Like romantically? Yes. Which has been so fun. Um, A lot of love connections happening. Not for me personally, but for my friends. Like if I, I take a, you know picture of my friend and tag them and someone will slide into their DMs being like, I saw you on this what? thing. Or my DMs being like, are they single? And I'll be like, yes, they are. Oh my God, that's Let me hook amazing. it up. And I've, some people are still together, some people aren't. But That's really yeah, interesting. Yeah, so that's been a really fun part about my Instagram, for sure. And my last question is, what era do you identify with fashion-wise? Um, right now, I'm like feeling full-blown 80s. I'm like feeling like full-blown 80s or like early 90s. I feel like foods like fashion, foods, food like fashion kind of goes in waves. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's decades. Like, is there anything you'd like to bring back, like from the Sun-dried 80s? Sun dried tomatoes, baby. Oh my God. So is that 80s, right? Yeah. Yes. And like goat's cheese. I like a fresh goat cheese is delicious. And all of a sudden it became really uncool to like goat cheese. Oh, well, guess what? I love best. goat cheese. It's it delicious. Delicious. And I will eat the hell out of it. I'll eat it on a cracker. I'll eat it. I'll eat it with a roasted beet. I do not care. I'll eat it with dolloped on some arugula. Who cares? What is this? 1992? Maybe. Wait, what are other things really quickly? Because now I want to know. <laughs> what are other foods that are 80s? I love um, it. Let's like, see. Like spago pizza. Yes. Yeah, but like what are like some a, like ingredients in pizza? 80s? For sure. Um Definitely like... Sundar Tomatoes is a great one. Yeah, that's probably the most iconic one that I can think of. And then I, I think of other foods that are like passe, that I'm like, what? It's food. Do you I believe in that? Like, no, passe passe I was just having this conversation on Twitter because somebody wrote an article about like, kale's not cool anymore. I'm like, stop personifying it's vegetables. It's so stupid. Like, I never cook with kale because I think it's cool. I cook with it because I genuinely like it. Because you like it. If you don't like kale, Great. you're never going to like it, whether it's cool or not. Like, stop making ingredients cool or not cool. Eat stuff that you like and don't eat stuff you don't like. like it's so let's sad. Just like, cool I need another it, reason to feel shitty about myself yeah. right now that, like, I don't like a cool ingredient. Yeah, it's like, like oh, it's like, oh, are you still eating kale? That was so oh 2015. God, it's like, what? Yeah, sorry. I still like kale. Sorry. sorry. I'm extremely uncool. I feel like the only things that can do that are beverages that are branded, like Zima. Remember Zima? Um, Is that even still I remember around? Zima. I, was, I think, I feel like it tried to come back a couple of years ago. And like Smirnoff Ice. Like Smirnoff there's Ice. certain alcoholic beverages that like become a thing because people put money into making it a thing. But leave kale alone. It's just trying to do its job. It's good for you. It tastes good and stuff. I like it. It's, it's probably delicious. the one vegetable I always have in my in my refrigerator. And cucumbers. I just like them. I'm not trying to like set a trend over there. I'm just trying to like get my vitamin K in, y'all. Is there anything like right now that you feel like? Oh, turmeric. Like, get over it. I what, get how it. Everyone's like, it's amazing. It's yeah, like, it can I'm cure like, you of any ill. It's like, like that's have not you true. heard of it? It's like, nah. I like cooking with it because I think it tastes really good. I think it looks really beautiful. It does. And it's fun. A little bit goes a long way. It's like versatile. It's a nice ingredient to have and cook with and to like integrate into your repertoire. 
Full stop. Full stop. End of story. In five years when people are like, oh, are you still cooking with turmeric? I'll be like, yeah, I am. Also, isn't that like... With my kale, what? million years old. Like, that's dish. like the oldest spice. Exactly. Like, how are you and still I know, being like, I have friends that are, that are Indian and they're like, it is hysterical that people all of a sudden care about turmeric. Right. This is an like, ancient They're like, spice. this stuff has been staining my things for since I was born. And now all of a sudden people give a shit. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I mean, like, what's not like everything. People will find a reason to write about anything and make it cool or interesting. And it's like, whatever, man. I don't know. Totally. Cool or not cool. You either like it or you don't. Thank you so much. I am very hungry now. <laughs> no, I I'm actually also am. hungry. Thank you so much for having me. What I Wore When is a production of Glamour and iHeartRadio with new episodes dropping every Monday. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm your host, Glamour Digital Director, Perry Samatin. Follow me on Instagram at Perry Samatin, P-E-R-R-I-E-S-A-M-O-T-I-N. Our executive producer is Ali Perry, and our producers are Glamour's Kim Fasaro and iHeart's JJ Posway. What I Wore When is engineered by Emily Marinoff and Derek Clements. Special thanks to Julie Shen and Deanna Buckman at Condé Nast. For more information on today's episode, go to glamour.com slash what I wore when.